Okay, you guys, tonight is a fun episode. We get to do a Q&A. These are very fun for us. I hope that they're fun for you guys. They are just lighthearted. At least that's what I always think when we start. You never know what you're going to get into when you start a Q&A. But before we get going here, I want to let you guys know that the Growth Initiative is still open for enrollment. That is Elisha's coaching program for men. And what I want to specifically point out is that now is a great time to snag the couples package. You can get the Get It All Done Club and you get the Growth Initiative at a steeply, steeply discounted rate. And so that's the most affordable you'll ever be able to get the programs is when the Get It All Done Club, or when the Growth Initiative is open for enrollment, which is only for a few more days here. So jump on that down below. Uh, We did get some questions here all about meal planning, meal prepping, easy meals. And I am really excited because in the Get It All Done Club, we have a fresh new series that's never before been released that we are going over live this month only. So it's only going to be open for this month. So if you join us, this month, then head over to the clubhouse and we can work through that together. All right, let's dive in. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. Well, here we are, Katie. Kind of a kind of a cozy vibe out here. Yeah, very cozy. I was not getting ready for this podcast. I found out we were recording this afternoon. And uh, when Elisha mentioned it to someone else, like, oh, "Oh, yeah, we'll be recording a podcast then. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. We've got to do that. So anyway, we're still trying to get the the rhythm of the new year. Yes, that the the holidays falling on Mondays was really tricky because so tricky. Yeah, because Sundays and Mondays are huge content days for us. And so just really threw that off. Yeah. But anyways, we're we're happy to be here. Uh, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? There's so many good ones in here. Sure. Okay. Somebody asked or said, explain Katie living in 18 places. Did she like this? Pros, cons of moving a lot? Yeah. Okay. So I'll try to do this quickly. Obviously with 18 places, there's a lot to go into. Um, I moved 21 times by the time I turned 21 before I got married. And um, so it, there were pros and there were cons. I think I grew up very adaptable and very good at change. Anyone who's moved a lot can probably relate with me on this. And so because of that, I'm able to create a home and feel comfortable in a space very, very quickly. And that's something that has been really an awesome tool for me. I think when I got married, I didn't have any regret. It was very easy for me to just start a new life with Elisha and adapt to that life. And I guess I would say this for all of my siblings that I've seen so far, we really bloom well where we're planted and bloom very quickly. So that is a a plus side of all that moving. Uh, Clearly, that's a lot of stress on on a person. And I don't think I realized that until I stopped moving as often. And I didn't realize, wow, it's so nice not always considering where you're going to be going and restarting everything over and over and over. So while I do still to this day, I love change and I get the itch for something to change consistently. Um, I, I don't think it is ideal it's in terms of like what I would choose for our family. But for my family growing up, it was obviously, it was what my parents wanted to do. I loved being along for the ride. We had a lot of cool experiences. As a adult now, I have pockets of community and friends all up and down the West Coast in Colorado and Texas, um, even though we didn't live in Texas, I guess. So that one's random. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. You know, Elisha and I could call up someone right now in Southern California or in Oregon or in Washington or and just 
get a place to stay if we needed to or tie in with good friends. And it just is a blessing to know so many bodies of believers and have so many communities of friendships that we're able to tie into. Yeah, it's a good answer. I The thing that stood out to me so apparently when we got married was your adaptability. You mentioned that. And it is a trait that seems to run through with you with all your siblings is when you get to a place, you get established instantly. And when we got when we got our first apartment, I was blown away with that. And then it still continues to boggle my mind the various times we've moved or even when we go on a vacation you you have and your mom still does it too it's like she's amazing she like finds a church and a workout group and like a, a sports league for the kids it's like well you're gonna be here 10 days it's like it's yeah true. <laughs> like we want to get plugged in uh, and so it's yeah i'm really grateful for that i think it's that a good have. it builds a lot of confidence that you could go anywhere and plug in and create a community and mm. create friendships and um grow your faith and have all those elements at play um i people have asked before if that affects me being detached from places. And I don't think it does. I think I'm just kind of all in while I am someplace. Mm-hmm. And then I can mourn leaving, but also appreciate going somewhere new. Mm-hmm. Um, but like as a four-year-old, I did lose all my hair completely. And mm-hmm. I had to have my head shaved off. And it was due to stress at, at four years old. And I it happened to get at 19. And so I do think that there were elements to it that were hard as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but like you said, you had to flex that muscle of creating community many times. And that is such a good muscle to flex. It's it's good to go through that uh, numerous times because it's it's needed at various seasons in our lives where we're feeling the lack of community and you, you have to go make it. You have to go find it. And, and you and, and all your siblings are really good at that. So. Well, okay. I would say one more thing too. We weren't in school. And I think that that was something that helped because it wasn't like we were getting put into new schools with new friends and then pulled out and all that over and over. So it wasn't traumatic at all. We were this little cohort. I had a lot of siblings and we would meet friends at church and then we'd stay connected with them when we drive through on the way to the next place. So like, it wasn't like we just ditched our friends for forever. We became friends friends with families and we're still friends with those same families. So I don't think it was as traumatic as maybe some other people's experiences might've been. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. They felt maybe more like they're getting, yeah. Like the new kid all the time. I didn't, I didn't feel that way at all. Makes sense. Okay. So this person asked, what are some tips on prioritizing your marriage in the years with lots of little ones? Mm, Katie, what would you say? (laughs) Well, I would just say, honestly, it's the exact same way that you prioritize your marriage always. Mm. You just prioritize your marriage. I know it sounds too simple, but I think the longer we've been married, the more I just see that people who prioritize their marriage always prioritize their marriage. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. It's just like, how you, how do you prioritize your faith mm. in God? It's like by communing with him, by spending time with him, by um, praying. These little, simple, tiny things you need to do r- throughout every season. You know, you find a church, you've build community there. And so I think of that with, with a marriage, it's like you date your spouse, you care about them, you play the tape in your mind repetitively of the things that you love about them. You overlook the wrongs, you forgive, Mm -hmm. you don't bring up past resentment. You know, you just, um, you don't make a big deal out of molehills. You don't let things go under the rug. You don't make a big thing down molehills or the mountains. (laughs) Um, be like, you don't let stuff just go under the rug for a long time. You work through it, you know, just basic standard relationship advice. 
you do. Yeah, it applies in all the seasons. It doesn't matter if you have little kids. It doesn't matter if you're in a busy season. It doesn't matter if your husband's overseas. Like, it doesn't matter. You just do what makes a healthy marriage. Yeah, on a on a practical level, I would say, because all those things I 100% agree with, uh, but I think of different seasons in our lives where maybe our evening routine has been thrown off or our morning routine has been thrown off because of postpartum seasons or you're, you're nursing mm-hmm. at, at random hours where we're not, we don't have our normal evening bedtime that is so crucial to us. And I do think that, well, going back to that, actually ha- going to bed at the same time on a very practical level is so good for our marriage. That's a huge one. Yeah, that, that's and it's sometimes in busy seasons, we'll depart from that. And it's weird how you you make excuses for yourself, or at least I do, where it's like, I got to work tonight, or it's a busy season or whatever it is, you know, like it's Katie's nursing. So I'll go to sleep over, you know, in the guest room. Um, and yet, though, most of the time you can make you can uh, live, you can still carry out the, that principle <laughs> in the midst of those seasons. And you and I just getting in bed at the same time is so helpful. So mm-hmm. so beneficial to our marriage and then in those seasons like you said the principles stay the same you just get creative in how you apply them and how you live out those principles mm-hmm. when you have the littles in the home but yeah I, I agree with you it's it's the same when you're a christian you know and, and you're like well how do i you know pursue my relationship with the lord and it's like yeah, you spend time with him you pursue him well i guess like our entire marriage has only been marriage with littles you know sure. we had nine months after getting married before we had a baby and during that time it was a very emotional nine months for me probably for Elisha as I was going through all these changes for the first time and it was really stressful that way so I don't feel like we've ever had a marriage without young children yeah. and yet I love our marriage and wouldn't trade it with anyone mm-hmm. you know and, and I guess I see my parents who have adult children or your parents who are grandparents now and we're all doing the same things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what stage of life we are in. And I, I would just encourage you, do not use the children as an excuse. Yeah. There are people with more children, with a busier life that pour into their marriage more. And that's just something that I encourage myself in mm. when I want to say it's the late nights or, you know, um, yeah, just there's just different reasons for not connecting. And it's like, you can still be spontaneous. You can still be romantically attracted to each other. You can still love to hang out. You can still communicate very clearly and very well. Um, so just know that it's possible and it's worth working towards. Yeah. I think of how prone I am to not acknowledging your primary love language, quality time, uh, which is kind of an inconvenient one, honestly. You know, I think you do yeah, a really good no job. Because <laughs> uh, it, what does that take? It takes time. It takes actual time. Um, but I was going back, you know, you mentioned just getting creative. And in a lot of ways, kids can can invigorate the marriage because it, it does make it more of a challenge in a fun way. Like you can you can make it a game in the time that you're able to steal away and get and have some, some times of intimacy or, you know, or just time, times of romance. And I don't, I don't know about you, but like those are fond memories, you know, and those are fond experiences when it when it feels like you're kind of like sneaking away from the kids. Yeah, it feels like you're dating again, you know, and you're like <laughs> kind of stressed out. It, it brings in a, a fun tension uh, that's not there when everything's accessible all the time. It's yeah. kind of fun to have that scarcity and, and feed into that scarcity. Yeah, it's fun. I guess make it make it fun and exciting instead of this burden or this, Oh, things are off the table because we have children. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, speaking, speaking of children, how much rough housing do you, do your, do, do you allow your boys to partake in 
this is the one question Elisha read to me before tonight, and uh, I just said too much. <laughs> oh, you, but, that's, yeah. but that's honestly probably not true. They're really well behaved in the house. We don't allow roughhousing um, throughout the day unless it's outside or in the boys' room. Yeah, that's currently where we're at. And I think that this is an ever-evolving yeah. kind of standard yeah. for us because as our boys get older, the the stakes get higher when it mm-hmm. comes to roughhousing. And it, it's funny because I grew up in a house. Uh, I had five brothers, so there were six boys in the house. And I think because my dad saw that he had six sons, he set a hard line and we, he had a very high standard for indoor behavior. It's funny because whenever people hear that I have five brothers, it's like, oh, you guys probably mixed it up all the time in the house or in the living room or in your bedroom. And it's like th- there was no fighting or wrestling or roughhousing allowed whatsoever in our home. Your family like, culture is not like a boy family family culture. No. And it's funny because my, my dad's a man's man. My brothers are masculine. They, they, they get out. They, they work hard in the woods. You know, my dad was a, a woodsman. He was a logger. Um, yeah. many of my brothers continue to, to work in, in like, you know, labor intensive fields. And we were brought up that way. Like we were brought up working outside, working with our hands, working on the tree farm, logging with dad. But when it came to the house, there was just no, no room for rough housing. And so it's been interesting because your brothers rough housed a lot more. I think they were really into, so like you guys weren't allowed to wrestle at all. Mm-hmm. And my brothers got into jujitsu at like five years old. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of grappling happening in the house for sure. Yes. And my I, dad went down to wrestle with them all the time yes. and stuff like that. And, and I do think that I have a desire for my boys to be more comfortable scrapping than, than I, than I was when I was a young man. And when I was in my teens, I was really uncomfortable with physical confrontations. Um, and I want my boys to feel capable and kind of comfortable with themselves. But I tell you what, I still, I have a very low tolerance for roughhousing in the house. Mm-hmm. And it's just probably from my upbringing. And it's like, I, yeah, the whole boys will be boys. Yeah, I want my boys to be boys, but I also want them to be men someday. Like I'm, I'm training them to be men and you have to have indoor manners. And so I love that my boys are rough. They rough, they're rough and tumble outside and they're climbing trees and falling out of them. And that they're on the trampoline wrestling and, uh, you know, and they, and they get scraped up and they get hurt and they're fine with it. And I love taking them to father son ministry where they get to do jujitsu on a regular basis. And they get to scrap with other boys that are older than them or bigger than them or, or more skilled than them. So I want them to be exposed to that, but I've got a pretty low tolerance, probably a lower tolerance than even you have when it comes to, to my boys indoors, especially when we're at church or in public places, there'll be other boys that are roughhousing or that they are causing a, 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 a you know, somewhat of, of a ruckus in a church. And I'm like, my, I'm like, I look at my boys. I'm like, you're not partaking in that. Well, you're just a lot more aware, aware of that in public settings. Cause I don't think my tolerance level is high for it, but I do think I just am like talking to another mom and turn my brain off to all the kids yeah. <laughs> and Elisha's chasing them down, making sure they mind their manners. So that is something though. That's a huge blessing. Like they aren't allowed to jump on furniture or, um, I don't know, just like run around the house or, or, or even things like when that. When we're indoors at people's houses or at church, just saying no running and no yes, wrestling in here. Anyone's house. Yeah, to run and to rough house to throw things, and so, and then they can do that outside. And I want them to be good at it outside. Well, it's so destructive on a home, mm-hmm. and our house is already held together by a thread. Yes, <laughs> and so it is so frustrating when a window breaks or you know a hole gets punched in the wall, and like stuff happens, but it just we want to eliminate that. Yeah. 
as much as possible. They do have a pull-up bar in their room and they do a lot on that. And yes. they have fun swinging from that and getting their energy out. And then outside is always a great option. Yeah, and they still play in our house. So like they'll pull off, you know, a, a mattress from our window seat and mm-hmm. like slide that, you know, sled down the stairs Yes, with that. Or they'll play in, hide and go seek yeah. or stuff like that. Lots of playing. I mean, we still, it's, you can still tell we're a boy's house for sure, a boy house. Um, but when it comes to like, we don't have like lamps breaking all the time and they're not playing catch. They don't throw with balls footballs. Yeah. It's not allowed. And um, so anyways, we yeah. don't have Nerf gun fights in the house. Mm-hmm. They have to take those outside. Yeah. I don't know. Can jealousy in marriage be a good thing? And how do you find the balance? Yeah. I thought that was an interesting question. You know, it's so hard to know like the context from where this is coming from. Oh, this was so easy for me. Is that right? Well, I mean, I think from our, in our marriage, I've certainly experienced jealousy for you. And I don't, you can speak for yourself. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I think not, it's totally a good thing in marriage. Right? Are you kidding? Do you want your husband to like not be jealous of you at all? Like, oh, yeah, no big deal, whatever. I mean, that to me is like you don't care about someone if you aren't jealous about them. If you feel like you're uh, being threatened, your yeah. territories being threatened. So to me, I don't see it as anything but a good thing. I can probably be debated on that theologically somehow. But um, yeah, something that my grandma Paula said that I thought was really good is when she would feel jealous instead of whining, sniveling and getting insecure about it, which I tend to get insecure about it. She just was like, okay, this is a competition. And my grandpa never gave her any reason to need to compete. But I thought it was a healthy way to view your marriage. Instead, and be like, okay, I'm feeling jealous of this other woman who thinks my husband is cool. Well, one, I need to start playing to myself. My husband is cool. So that's a good wake up call. I need to remind myself of that. And then two, what do you do when you're in a competition with another woman? Say, if you don't have the security of marriage, like, you dress up, you're really sweet, you're fun, you're playful, you're romantic, you care about the other person's little needs. And she just saw it as a call to step up her game. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. I want to have the maturity to when I feel insecure and Elisha's never given me any reason to do this, but sometimes I still get that way to just step up my game and, um, and you know, wooing my husband mm. instead of just you know (laughs) being lame and whiny and insecure and clingy which is which pushes our spouses away instead of you know draws them towards us yeah it is funny that you talked about you mentioned you kind of like me being jealous of you and it's funny when i think of the times that i have been jealous of you and it's become a conversation where i'm just kind of like okay wait a second who's this guy you know what's going on here like this guy needs to take a chill pill or he's giving you way too much attention uh Oh, it's so funny because that is often we've even talked about it before, and I think people have you know have said I'm uh, overbearing or controlling or obsessive over you, and it's so funny because every time we've been through those things, it's like you kind of like that. It's like, <laughs> no, no, like, no. Like you, no, not being overbearing, but you want me to be jealous of you. Like I appreciate you, the sentiment. Yes, and I'm like, there's nothing to be jealous of here. So there's that. Yeah. Sometimes it's like what. Like, there's no need to be jealous. <laughs> cool your jets. You know, but then also I do, I do appreciate that. I think it's a healthy thing when your spouse is jealous of you in a marriage. Mm-hmm. And obviously it can, yes, yeah, swing over into unhealthy, like 
putting your spouse in a pumpkin shell and not trusting them. Yeah, or like paranoia. Yeah, yeah. paranoia yeah. or distrust or second guessing and micromanaging and like, yeah, that's really yeah, unhealthy. Doubting their integrity and yeah. doubting their faithfulness. That's yeah. just a really n- not fun for either person in the mm-hmm. marriage. So there has to be trust there. And you, but I mean, if you feel like a twang of jealousy here or there, that keeps the spark alive, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, that was mine. It was. Yeah. Easy now. <laughs> it's funny. I pulled that one out too. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I was just like, okay. So, uh, I'm the seventh of nine. We group text all the time. I think that's her, her siblings. How do you stay in touch with your siblings? How do you stay in touch? Group to, I mean, you know, we don't have smartphones. Everybody knows that but we have iMessage on our computers, on our Macs. And apparently all of our siblings have, have a, iPhones because they can all partake in the, in the some of them use their husband's phones yeah exactly <laughs> um, or I guess their lap, laptop computers uh, and so that's how we stay in touch is, is the group text thing and it's funny because I think there are we could do better at staying in touch with siblings but at the same time I don't it, it's this the the standard is going to be different for everyone as to what is enough you know and I don't have a sibling or an in-law that I'm in like daily communication with. I never have had that. Uh, the person that I talk to the most is my dad and that it's gone down a little bit, but I'd say a couple times a week Yeah, I'm on the phone with him and then I will talk to a sibling probably twice a week. Like I, I will, I will on the phone, like Elijah calls his siblings. Yeah. So I stay in touch with them that way, but the group texts are pretty active um, and b- on both sides of the families. And then, yeah, you, you, you call your siblings. And yeah. I call my mom letters. very consistently. I write some of my sisters were pen pals. Um, I call my sisters randomly. We text every once in a while. I'm honestly not the best at staying in touch with anybody. And I, that is an area that I've been growing in over the years is staying in touch with people that I care about. Mm. Um, yeah, but we do see our families pretty regularly several times a year we'll go over where the whole family is present on your side and on my side and we just talk till we're blue in the face yes and then kind of go back to our separate lives so i think some of my sisters are a lot better at communicating on a daily or weekly basis but i feel like when we all get together we all just hit it off and it's great you know? yeah I'd, I'd say that's how you and i prefer you know uninterrupted phone conversations or that immersive group hangout time the family text threads are far more like uh, everyday life kind of conversations where, you know, and a lot of our siblings live close to each other. So it's, I mean, very like logistical, like, hey, I'm running to Costco. Does anybody yeah, want stuff anything like that while, for sure. while I'm there? Or like, hey, I'm, is anybody else going to this game tonight? Like, can I can I catch a ride? Or sharing like articles and YouTube videos and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, or photos of the kids, their yeah. kids, you know, or videos of the kids. And those are the things you are, you and I are not we good aren't at. We participate, as in like we don't add to the right. conversation on that. Like we might comment on someone else's thing, but we aren't like, hey, it's, we, your it'd be, it'd on be, that. We'd be doing well to comment on it. Like we might, I'm doing better. We might like it, like <laughs> on it. But we are, and that's an area that we want to grow in is is like having our, our little camera accessible so that you can take photos of the kids during cute times and and share it to the family because it is sweet. It, it is. is really I love fun. seeing my nieces and yes. nephews. And I do too. That's why I that's why I like a lot of them. You, I actually yeah. like the photo <laughs> I do enjoy seeing it. Yeah, I mean, I have all my notifications turned off on my computer too. So, like, I log on maybe 
once or twice a week onto the group chats and just kind of catch up as much as I can. And sometimes they go way far up there. And so mm. I miss stuff. But if it's an important, then people mention it again. I'm yeah. able to go up and search for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, why are you rushing kids to learn way above their de developmental level? They must be asking me that. <laughs> <laughs> you have high expectations for our kids. Okay. Uh, I love the way this is phrased because it, I just picture myself like a whip behind this herd of cattle, like, wacha, wacha, let's go, let's go. <laughs> and um, that is definitely not my perspective on what's going on in our home. I hope it's not my children's perspective. Um, frankly, I just think expectations for children are very, very low. I think expectations for people in general are very, very low in America in the 21st century. And so, I mean, developmental level, I'm not really aware of what the developmental level is. I'm just educating our children based on what is appropriate for that child. Mm -hmm. And I think that an engaged child is a lot more fun to educate than a bored child. And I noticed that whining happens in my children when they are bored with the material, mm. not when they are engaging with it and their brain is just firing and they're having to work so hard to figure something out. That is definitely how it was for me growing up. And I feel like my parents were really good to keep enough material ahead of me so that I could constantly be learning fresh new things and pushing myself. And it breeds a lot of confidence in mm. children when they know that they're doing hard things and achieving fulfillment from that and so i don't know that's just kind of where we're at right now there might be numbers or grades or standards that currently the children are ahead of or maybe behind or whatever the case may be but that's the beauty of homeschooling and being a home educator is just putting material in front of your children that you think is appropriate for them and i do think that all of us as humans rise to the occasion more often than not so yeah, and I would say our children are the happiest when they're being challenged during the day with their schooling oh, yeah. and with their music lessons. And, and this is very fresh because we just came off of two weeks of really the Christmas break, you know, because we yeah, were traveling, traveling, we were doing the concerts, and then it went into Christmas and the New Year's. And there was about two weeks off from the kids doing school. And here we are on day three, I guess, of them being back at it. And there is a definitive difference in their overall attitudes towards life the last four days the kids woke up and asked me to do math and asked me to do reading i was like not today <laughs> i gotta get my act together for the yeah. new year so i mean that's a good sign to me it's not like oh they're the, dreading it yes. or and like i said whatever. their overall energy level those two weeks yeah. again breaks come right like we break we took a break for the holidays kind of out of necessity because of mm -hmm. traveling and whatnot and it's not that our kids were moping around and had terrible attitudes but there no. there wasn't the same type of enthusiastic joy in our home that there is when they are staying engaged with their schooling and when they have something mm -hmm. that's challenging them uh, and they and they were far more prone to getting bored and to coming mm -hmm. to you looking for something to do and and having a little bit more of a whiny attitude because they you know whatever their siblings kind of getting into mischief with them and then you you get back to the school routine and challenging them and it's like the joy goes up I mean, I think of even doing the music lessons the last few nights again and how that's just dialed them in mentally. They've been so proud of themselves to do that work, you know? Yeah, and, and they're, and no, they're excited to do it. So I don't know. I don't think we have anything that's really drudgery. Not not really. I don't think we have any drudgery that we're expecting of our children, mm -hmm. especially at these ages. I think there's a time for that when you kind of have to put in your time. Um, but right now, I just, I feel like we're we're at the 
right levels for them. Yeah. And because that, that is the thing is, and I forget how it was phrased, but it was pushing your kids beyond their developmental level. Their, yeah. And I just don't know what that is. Like, I don't, I know because kids, I mean, when you look at kids across history and you look at their vocabulary or you look at what they were memorizing or you look, there's some really bright kids all throughout history today and a lot of years ago. And you just see that they're very capable, I mm. guess. Like kids today are doing science experiments, for instance, that like they probably weren't doing in the 1800s mm-hmm. and didn't have the support for. But then they were memorizing gigantic passages back in the 1800s that kids today would just like look at you yeah. blank in the face, you know, and spelling things. And so I just really think kids are really capable, mm. especially if there's good support from yeah. a parent. Yeah. Wow. Okay got allowed and it is fun even just the as far as the the quickness that our different kids have picked up music it, it varies and so yeah it's hard for me to know what the expectation is for that age because it's been different for at different ages for each kid you know and when yeah. they really grab like when they really hit strides they on the really fiddle and when they yeah okay let's see here i've got a good one okay you guys seem very scheduled does it leave room for spontaneity This is kind of funny because I get that we share all of our scheduled activities and the way we do things, but you know how it's like people can share a lot about things that they're weak in. I guess I feel like we share about structures and systems and all these things because Elisha and I are so spontaneous and we're so fly by the seat of our pants. We need those things Mm. in order to thrive. We don't naturally, we aren't naturally the structured, organized, at least I'm not, um, consistent people. Like I never stuck with anything Mm -hmm. before I got married. I'd start something and quit it. And so a lot of our systems and routines and structures are supports for us to be able to accomplish what we would like to accomplish. Yeah. Um, So because of that, we thrive well within our systems, but we're ourselves. And so we pop outside of those systems all the time. Yeah. The I do think our life is relatively structured and we have built a lot of systems and that's by our own doing. So, it, mm-hmm. so it feels like we haven't taken spontaneity at, at least any spontaneity we didn't want taken away. Cause it's like, we built, yes. we built these structures custom to, to our life <laughs> to serve us. and, and, and in the areas, like you said, yeah, in the, in the ways we want it to serve us. Um, and, and I will say too, I, I do think structure and systems provides more space for freedom and spontaneity when you are able to, I mean, we've talked about this before, like when you're able to auto, put on auto, autopilot, the things that matter most to you, it really frees up a lot of bandwidth for you to be able to, you know, spontaneously host somebody. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, like my kid's schooling's done. We do that at this time every day. And like, you know, the yeah, we this know meal, done preps, or... like meal preps done. Like I have a meal prepped already for for Thursday night or whatever the night is. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, so it is weird how that it, 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 in a lot of ways it, it provides a lot more space for spontaneity when you have the, the foundational things in your life put on autopilot or systematized or within a structure. Yeah. I think even things like, okay, we know what time our kids wake up. We know the two hour window that they're resting in the the afternoon and we know what time they go to bed every night. That leaves room for a lot of spontaneity, even within our marriage. You know, Mm -hmm. if Elisha's going to come home from work in the middle of the day, he knows when it's a good time, (laughs) you know? And so I'm just saying like, there's, there's so many ways that when you're just prepared for things, you know, like, oh, 
I have all these bases covered. And so there's these times when I don't have anything hanging over my head. And I think that was really important for me because we have so many things going. And I think a lot of you guys can relate to that. It can kind of feel like we're operating with this impending something always needing to be done hanging over our heads. But when we know, oh, there's a space for that later in the week, then I'm not stressed about it right now. It's a total free time or it's, you know, whatever the case may be. Well, even how we protect our Friday night through Saturday as our Sabbath, once you like really protect a night, it does make you a lot more generous with your other nights of the week. Yeah. You're kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm more open to giving a night of my week to this, whatever <laughs> cause, you know, or, or to this family or whatever, this event. Um, because we know we've got this, like this one's not yes. going to be infringed upon. And I think of also just going back to the power of a, a good morning, you know, our miracle morning, uh, and how, when you take care of like, like time in God's word, your exercise, some basic business work things, you know, I don't know what it is for you. You know, you kind of like to maybe do mm-hmm. some laundry meal prep. It seems mm-hmm. like or yeah, first thing yeah. in the morning you get that done before the kids are awake. You really feel like you've conquered the day already. Yes. You're like, Oh, I'm good. Like I, I knocked these things out of the park come what may, uh, in the day. And so I do think having those, those kind of those, the bookends or these key kind of pillars that you can lean on throughout the day actually in my experience provides more opportunity for spontaneity. Yeah. And I mean, if there is, I don't know how the question was phrased, but if, a, if we're feeling too boxed in by our own structure, then we throw it out or we adapt it so that we can live the life we would like to live. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, we're still the bosses of like our yeah, schedule. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not like if it says laundry on Tuesday and I don't want to do the laundry on Tuesday because I want to go skiing because Elisha and I decided that's what we're doing on Tuesday. Then we just revise the schedule mm-hmm. that week, you know? And so I don't know. Well, I think it's again, going to, um, I don't know if this analogy applies, but, and again, anybody that knows chess is going to know how ignorant I am right now, but and uh, I've heard it said that in chess, you know, there's strategy and there's tactics and you need to have good tactics, which is like the next best move, right? If uh, a counter to the, your opponent's move or just staying out of trouble, just knowing which the next best move is, it's got to be safe or it's got to be aggressive. But then you also need strategy in the midst of good tactics. And strategy is that bigger picture, like this, this vision that you have for your game so that if all things were to go according to your plan, this is the direction you would take your game in. and I and I do view a lot of our structures as uh, a lot of assertion as strategy. It's like this is our ideal week. We would we would love Monday to go like this, Tuesday to go like this, and you kind of have that for every day of the week. And then you need good tactics as well because the good tactics are going to enable you to make the right decision when it's two in the afternoon and your siblings are bombing through town and it's the kids nap time and you're kind of like okay what what's my higher what's the hierarchy of value here what's the right tactical move to make in this situation because it wasn't planned for this wasn't allotted for in the strategy but your tactics then need to to cover for you and so i think when it comes to things like structure yes you want this framework to aim for but you also need tactics which i think is view as being like personal disciplines Mm -hmm. like sure you didn't plan to go out to dinner you know, on this night, but your family came through town, they wanted to take you out to dinner. Well, good tactics, you know how to order, like you order something healthy that you're not just like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm away from the house. So I'm just going to order something that's terrible for me. Your your tactics will help you get something that still enables you to continue on in your diet. I don't know if that applies. Yeah, that's good. 
Okay, so what are your thoughts on debt, specifically mortgages? I mean, I'll just say we have mortgages. So yeah. all, we have all sorts of mortgages. <laughs> <No>. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we currently have two mortgages, so we do. <laughs> Um, I mean, I guess I don't love my mortgages. If that's what no, you're like if, if you could take them away, that's great. <laughs> but I do like the 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 equity I have. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and each our, of these assets that yeah, uh, the mortgage is being, I guess, held by. <laughs> yeah, as far as like debt goes, we don't have. We we ended up having to get a credit card because we couldn't get a loan for a house, and our whole credit story is a whole story. Yes. But we pay those off. Those are automatically just paid off every month. And so we don't actually use credit cards for um, like buying something that we can't afford, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess. I don't know what that would be. It's just like we have some of our auto subscriptions, like our gym memberships or our phone bill. We do it to bill. build credit. So yeah, we put auto on, on that. And then it's just automatically paid by our, our bank, debit I guess. card. Yeah. I hope somebody's paying that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so basically like our credit card is like a debit card and that we don't think about it. Yeah. I guess it just gets paid off automatically. So that's nice. Um, so we aren't fans of debt, but we have like, we bought our last car um, on, we, it was the first car that we didn't buy cash. Cause I bought my car cash. You bought your car cash and we bought this car together and we put it on a payment plan because we needed to build credit again so we can get a loan so we could buy a house. So we aren't against that. If it's yeah, something but we, we don't prefer afford, that. I really do think, it. yeah, like we got that car paid off as soon as possible. And I think we'd prefer to keep it that way moving forward. Uh, as far as car payments, yeah, we, we, like really any, any yeah. debt aside probably from, from our house, mortgages. but I'm totally like, fine with our house because like, I don't, I didn't want to be owning a home when our kids are, 15 years old you know what i'm saying like i'm oh, yeah. i'm totally cool leveraging that debt i guess yeah and, it, and elisha is too so it's it seemed i mean who knows what happens tonight when i'm asleep what happens to the housing market but so far it's it's gone up in you know in value since we bought it three years ago three and a half years ago and that was our first home purchase and so you know we look like these just you know genius Real estate investors, we bought just had a great time. No. Well, I know, and the like, market might crash next year, so whatever. It is what it is. And the thing is, we'd have to live somewhere, and so we'll keep paying the mortgage, I guess. You know. Yeah. So basically, we do. We have some debt. We've got we've got two mortgages, and that's what we've got. Yeah, but we're not the type of at least we haven't been, and I don't see us becoming this way. The type of people to get stoked about like high leverage situations, like going out and leveraging ourselves out the wazoo uh, on real estate or on other type of investments. No, we don't get stuck. Even though we're very entrepreneurial, we love finding different ways to bring in income. That's it's always been bootstrapping. Like we do it like dollar by dollar. We, do. we don't yes. just like, Oh, we're going to invest a ton yes. over here. Or invest let's get a ton some over outside here. money. We've never done that. We're I don't want to manage other people's money. That stresses me out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, we live, I guess I'm very comfortable because we live within our means and that we could have paid this house off had we chosen to pay this house off, but we've chosen to invest in other things mm -hmm. and, and keep the mortgage. Yeah. So that's just something that, I don't know, I feel comfortable with. The amount of debt it is. Because yeah. even a mortgage, it can be really burdensome if you're just like eking out your mortgage. Yeah. You know, and, and we're blessed to not have that here in our in our home. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I think if you live well below your means, then debt is less of an issue. No, I mean, I'd say any, again, this is just my little, you know, opinion, but it does seem like the debt that kills you is that consumer debt, credit card yeah. debt, car payments. Um, I don't know. It seems like school debt's a, a, I don't know what the interest rate is with that type of stuff. We've never had that, mm -mm. but I know that can be burdensome for people. Um, we've never had to pay off medical bills. We've always been able to afford that. Yeah, that's just been a blessing. In, in the moment, I know that can be burdensome. And so we've only experienced, like I said, that short time when we, or you said the short time when we had the car payment and then the home mortgage. And we'd like to keep it that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's definitely our MO. Mm -hmm. I'd feel pretty stressed out buying anything else. Yeah. This, that's, we've said it before, but neither one of us are, I mean, in, according to our standards, I don't think you're a materialistic person. Like you've been very content living on very little at times in our marriage. And it doesn't stress me out. Like I, I don't ever see you putting something on credit just because you need it for your comfort or for your quality of life. You've never been that type of person. And that's a huge yeah. blessing to have. And likewise. In a, in a wife. I think, yeah, I think we value experiences and unique experiences and stuff like that. And when the money gets tight, your experiences just get more unique. They do. You just get creative. <laughs> exactly. You just scale them way back and get more creative. So it's an easy, an easy thing. Although I will say I have been thinking recently, I would like a few new pairs of clothes. Okay, here we go. Get out the credit card. Once every couple of years, <laughs> I look at the podcast. I go to film the podcast and I'd be like, I've worn that shirt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways do you have more questions well i did have one more okay. should we just say it yeah let's i mean we yours. already talked about marriage a little bit but i i pulled this one aside but it was what are your favorite ways to grow close when you feel apart okay, okay. so it's a little different than the other marriage yeah, definitely question. do you have an answer to this one yeah i mean it's gonna sound like the same i, I just think that like going to bed at the same time is so crucial date mm -hmm. nights are so crucial i do think something that you and i have gotten better at is when we're in those seasons of Again, it's hard to know. Like, oh, are, are we feeling apart? Are we feeling distant? Maybe it doesn't. You don't aren't able. To even you're not even able to articulate that. But mm -hmm. maybe you wouldn't characterize your marriage with the word fun or playful or romantic. And so maybe that's a good red flag, or it's it's a little bit of a litmus test. And I think something that you and I have done when we're in those seasons is we do something so unwork related, so unroutine, something that's new to both you and I. You know, whether that's you know, go parasailing or whether let's go to the spy class or to the knife fighting class or you know i think of doing the zip line the, you know going and getting hot dogs and roasting them over a fire yes. instead of going to like a nice date night dinner that was so fun it was we a like, blast yeah we went and got like a trivia game we made a bonfire at this little cabin that was like uh, we just loved that and it was so out of the ordinary it was new for both of us and that brought a spark back into our marriage. Yeah, we like left. It was the quickest overnight ever. We left at like five in the evening. We had three babysitters piecing, yeah, piece, the, yeah, piecemealing this thing together. Yeah. And we had to be back by like six the next morning. Mm -hmm. And so, we did that for that very reason. We felt like our marriage yeah. was just not in a real fun yeah, it was just like Place. everything was work somehow. You know, somehow it gets work, meaning everything was hard. Yeah, you're talking about the kids. You're talking about schooling. You're talking about church. You're talking about the move. You're talking you're about just, money. You feel you're, like you've exhausted all the same avenues of conversation. And neither of us were in seasons of really learning or growing. We were just, just kind of plodding out. New information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was like we've been around this circle seven times. You know, there's nothing new to talk about. So 
that was really fun. That, that remains one of my highlights. We yeah. went skiing together. Oh, that was a blast. Um, I mean, yeah, that that's the awesome. thing is I've said a bunch of things that like maybe cost more money because they a few of them did cost the money to go yeah. to go do that, which obviously is a good use of money if it's invested into your marriage. Um, but a lot of times taking money out of the equation forces you to get creative get creative too. I think if the hike that we went on, on one of our anniversaries, when we weren't in a great spot financially, yeah. we just couldn't afford much. And so we packed some food and we went on that hike on the, on the waterfall. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it was a romantic it was. time. Was it was spontaneous. Time. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. And, uh, it was free, it was you free. know, and that's something too, that I think we can forget. Um, but just physical intimacy is free. And so, you know, with your spouse, <laughs> That's the only kind you should be pursuing. Yes. And so what a what a gift that is, that mm. that doesn't cost anything. And maybe when the rest of life is mundane and that's become mundane too, sometimes working on just refreshing that area can bring a lot of new um, newness into exactly. the marriage without costing any money or requiring a babysitter right. or anything like that. Amen. <laughs> all right, folks, thank you all so much for listening. <laughs> We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.